we have uh, begun to travel again after not being on the road for a little bit of time. And uh, sometimes the, the days with the, my health problems and a few other things that uh, don't seem like we're going forward very far. But you know, when we walk with the Lord, it is always forward. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. We don't have to walk alone. We can know the Lord, know the Savior, and follow him, walk with him. But this is an old song called Anywhere If Forward. Doesn't matter where we go, as long as we go with the Lord, then it's forward. Anywhere if forward, in the King's Highway, to the prize before us, nearer every day, learning more of Jesus and his holy will, never turning backward, never standing still, anywhere if forward, forward is the word, have you not the captain's orders? King's Highway. Anywhere if forward, let the moments bring avenues of service for our blessed King. Work for Him is precious, toiling in His might. For His yoke is and light Anywhere if forward Forward is the word Have you not the captain's orders Lead us Heavenly Father Lead us on We pray Anywhere If King's Highway Anywhere if forward Step by step we'll go Where his word and spirit Shall the pathway show Forward in his service In the life of rest Spreading King's Highway, anywhere if forward, in the King's Highway. 
Of heat. 
every heart that by sin may trouble me. I know a name, a wonderful name. That Dispels the powers of evil. I know a name that can break the tempter's snare. I know a name that unlocks the gate of heaven. When through its I go And the Lord, I. 
Amen. Thank you so much for that. That was wonderful. That was wonderful, and that was a lie. <laughs> However, I do like chicken McNuggets. I call them chicken McNugget-ish because you're really not sure if they're nuggets or not, uh, but only with sweet and sour sauce. And uh, I have broadened my horizons into the Mexican food industry and uh, found that if you take a piece of grilled chicken, cover it with queso cheese, throw some mushrooms on there, put it on a bed of rice, it's really good. And so if they sell that at a, a, a Mexican restaurant, I will go and eat it. But uh, I, I don't I tell you what, I thought preacher liked me. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, I'm looking forward to him playing that harp. But I really want to play the, the vibraphone. Because you got the sticks, you go, one, two, three. <laughs> and that's probably the closest I'll ever get to being in a band. And uh, that'd be kind of cool. Independent Baptist band, band a harp and a vibraphone. <laughs> All righty. Well, starting off good already. I have strict instructions from my youngest daughter to preach long uh, because the last time I preached, they didn't get to finish up their game in junior church, and uh, she was exceedingly unhappy about that, so... Uh, I said, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, so we'll, we'll give you what God's given uh, us, and then we'll move out of the way. Uh, but take your Bibles, if you wouldn't, open up to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to move around a little bit uh, here in the first uh, part of this, this message, and uh, stay with me. I've got a place I'm headed. Uh, like I said, in uh, Sunday school, sometimes I don't take the most direct path. Uh, because there's waypoints that you got to hit to kind of bring the thought together. But uh, I do want to look at uh, something here that as I was reading the other day in my Bible reading, I, I just reading along, and, and God pointed something out to me that, that was an interesting thought to me. And so I want to share that with you this morning. Exodus chapter 3, and uh, in Exodus chapter 3, you find the call of Moses, and we're not going to really even talk about Moses other than what we read here. But uh, in Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we'll start in verse number 1, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where all now standest is holy ground. And then I want you to, to catch what he says here in verse number six. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And really what I want to take out of that entire passage there is what we find in verse number 6, when he mentions uh, that I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
And I want to look at these three men, but primarily Jacob this morning. And uh, an interesting fact that I saw when uh, studying through this about Jacob and some things that uh, we want to look at today. Let's pray and then we'll get into the message. Father, we thank you so much for the word that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the good time we've had already uh, for the Sunday school hour. And Lord, we thank you for the good music that we've heard. And Lord, we thank you for the music we've been able to participate in. But God, I pray that you turn our hearts toward your word at this time, and Lord, that you would uh, have preeminence in, in this, uh, what's about to be spoke, dear Lord, that it would be your words, not mine, but your thoughts, not mine, and Lord, that you would take uh, what you've given me and use it, dear God, uh, to work in our hearts and bring us closer to you, and we'll thank you for that. Lord, if there's one here this morning that's not saved, that doesn't know your son is their savior, I pray that you would work in their heart, they might not leave this place without that knowledge, and we'll thank you. And uh, everything that we do, God, may be for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to take and uh, walk just a, a few pages backwards to Genesis chapter 25. And uh, we know who Abraham is. Uh, and, and what's kind of neat is throughout the Word of God, we see mentioned several times the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Over and over again, God refers to himself in this way as he is speaking to people. He'll say, uh, you know, come unto me, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. And so over and over again, uh, he refers to himself this way. Whenever God refers to himself in a manner, we ought to pay attention to it because it means something. God doesn't say anything that does not have some sort of meaning from which we can glean some knowledge. And so... Uh, as I was looking at this, I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Abraham, you know, the great man of faith. Uh, over in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible tells us, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange uh, country. And then it says, uh, he looked for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so we know that Abraham was that great man of faith who stepped out, going to a place that he didn't even know, just because God told him to. Later on, God refers to him as his friend. And so as I was reading and, and thinking about these things, I thought, well, I can understand that, that, that he would call himself the God of Abraham. I mean, that's, that's a great man of faith. That's a great man of character. That's one of the great patriarchs, the founder and the the, the one that God chose for absolutely no reason other than he chose him to start his people, the Jewish people, from uh, his lineage. And so we see the God of Abraham. Then he'll call himself the God of Isaac. And Isaac, I, thought, I got to think about Isaac. And I thought, well, that's that, that, that son of Abraham, that promised one, the heir, the, the one that would carry on his lineage, and the one that God uh, used to show how we should be willing to sacrifice ourselves when God said, Take thine son, thine only son, Isaac. And he told Abram to take him up. And, and we always look at Abram as such a, a great picture of faith. But what about Isaac? Right, right. I mean, hey, think about Isaac for a minute, that he was walking up that mountain. And he says, Father, I, I see the, the fire and I, I see the wood, but where's the lamb? And God said, my son, or Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. But Isaac allowed himself to be bound to be laid upon that altar. I, I mean, you got to think about this now. I, Abraham was right around probably 100 years old. Uh, Isaac was probably right around my age. Now, I'd like to think at my age, I could take a 100-year-old man. 
I mean, if somebody's trying to tie me up and put me on an altar, and there are 100, I think I could take them. 99, I don't know. But think about that. The, the, the promised son, and we see his willingness to sacrifice, his willingness to submit. So the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, I can understand. The God of Jacob? That one I don't understand. And, and as I was reading, I thought, why Jacob? I mean, honestly, Abraham, bam, pillar, faith, friend, Isaac, sacrifice, submission. Jacob, trickster, supplanter, liar, thief. And yet he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob. Look in Genesis with me. I want to walk through the life of Jacob real quick and then uh, pull it together, I hope, to, to, to speak to us this morning. But, I mean, if there was ever anybody that looked out for himself, it was Jacob. He, what's crazy is he had the promise of God. God said, he, he, he told Isaac, and, and, and he told Rebekah, uh, Jacob's parents, as Jacob was a twin, and uh, Esau was the firstborn, Jacob was the secondborn, and, and um, he told them, he said, the younger will be the one that I'm going to choose. God told them that. So Jacob had a promise of God for his life. That promise was never good enough. I mean, he, he spent his entire uh, most of his first part of his life trying to get what God had promised him, but trying to get it his way. How, you know, just for a moment, how, how often do we do that? God wants to give us his goodness, but we can't get it the world's way. And, and Jacob here, he, he was known as a supplanter, a trickster in Genesis chapter 25. Uh, you find the birth of Esau and Jacob in verse number 24. And then in verse number 27, we find the story, of course, of uh, Esau. Uh, he was a, a cunning hunter and a man of the field. And Jacob, it says in verse 27, was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, uh, for, with that same red pottage, for I am faint, therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this thy uh, day, thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And Esau despised, thus Esau despised, his birthright. So we see here that he was a trickster. He would take and he would use to his advantage whatever he could to get what he wanted. He was trying to get what God had already promised him. That's sad that, 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 that he would try to go about his own way to trick and get what God had already said he was going to give him. We see in Genesis chapter 27, if you look over there with me in verse number 39, we find uh, the, in verse 26... Uh, through the end of the chapter, we find that Isaac believes he's about to die, which he doesn't, but he thinks he's going to. And so he tells Esau to go out to the field, find him uh, some venison, 
bring it, cook it, and give it to him, and he's going to give him his blessing, the blessing of the firstborn. Well, uh, Rebecca hears about this, and, and we probably uh, know the story, and, and uh, she tells Jacob, go and get me a goat. Now, honestly, if I was uh, Isaac and I found out somebody fed me a goat instead of venison, I'd be mad right there and not bless them at all. But she, she makes it taste good somehow, and she takes and she cooks that goat and fixes it. And, of course, Jacob, we see here, he goes in to his father, and he steals that blessing. Not only is he a trickster, he's a thief. And I would go so far as to call him a traitor. He stole it from his own blood, from his own family. Now remember, go back to to Exodus. What what did we read? We read that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is who Jacob is. He's always looking out for number one. He's always trying to get uh, what he wants in his way and, and not caring who he hurts to do it. Think about that. It's sad, but I see a lot of Christians that are that way. They, they, they want what they want, and they're going to get it the way that they can get it, and they don't care who they hurt, whether it's family, friends, doesn't matter as long as I get mine. We ought not be that way as Christians, especially as Christians. We ought to allow God to give us what He wants us to have in His time and in the way that He wants to give it to us. And so, Uh, we see here that Jacob is in a mess of his own making. How many of you could say, hey, I've been in a mess of my own making at one point or another in my life? Brother Dave, you're not going to raise your hand. I mean, (laughs) a mess of our own making. I've been there. I've gotten myself in deep because of stupid mistakes and, and, and trying to get what I want instead of waiting on what God has for me. I think we could all raise our hand. We might not want to, but I think we could. Why? Because we're we're human. We're we're faulty. We have a brain brain that just short wires sometimes, and we'll make a stupid mistake and end up with a mess. And that's where Jacob is in this passage. And so we see that, that he has deceived his father, deceived his brother, and now he's got a mess. And so as we continue on through the life of Jacob, we, we, we find out that Esau wants to kill him. Maybe we think that's a bit harsh. I don't know. I don't know how I would feel in that particular. I think I'd be more upset that mom could make goat meat taste like my venison then I, but his brother wants to kill him. And so now they formulate another plan. I mean, they, we, we need to understand that just because one, <laughs> we, we, we formulate one plan and that messes up, and so we think, well, I'll figure out another plan to fix that. We need to learn from the first mistake and say, hey, that was stupid. Let's just let God do what God wants to do. I, I honestly think that if, if Jacob had just allowed God to take care of it, he would have been all right. Step back with me just in time and think about Isaac. Isaac was uh, Abraham's son of promise, 
And what did, what did uh, Abraham not want Isaac to do? He didn't want him to take a wife of the land where they lived, where God had sent him. But he didn't want Isaac to go back to his family to take a wife because he didn't want him to end up staying there. So what did he do? He took a trusted servant and sent him back to get a wife for Isaac. So he got Rebecca. Worked out pretty good. Well, here we have Rebecca, the one that was brought from there. She formulates, she, she got him, helped get him into this mess. Now the brother wants to kill him, so she formulates a plan. I'm going to send you out of the land where God wants us to be to go find a wife because I don't want you to find a wife here. How did, how did it work out the first time? They sent a servant. He found a wife and brought her back. I, I honestly think that had they done that for Jacob, he wouldn't have had a mess later on because he had two wives. Why? Because he got tricked later on, we're going to see. So instead, she formulates a plan to send him away to save his life, but she's sending him right out of the place that God had promised to him. Oh, we got to be careful as parents that we don't make a mess and then end up carrying our children or sending our children or showing our children how to get out of what God has for us. And so as we walk through Jacob's life here, we see that now he is having to uh, run. Uh, they formulate a plan to get him out of here. And as he goes on his way, look at me in Genesis chapter 28. And uh, so, uh, you know, Rebecca and Jacob, they got this plan to go to Isaac. He okays the plan. They send him away. In verse number 10, it says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. Now, what I thought was neat was as he is leaving the land of promise, God gives him a message. Right here. We see in verse number 12, it says, And he dreamed a dream. Behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land where all now lies, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Right where you're at, Jacob, is what I want to give you. But look what, what, what we continue on. He says, And I see shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then uh, in verse number uh, 18, if you look down there, he says, this is Jacob now speaking, Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called uh, Luz at the first. Now, listen to what Jacob says. So God says, this land where you're lying is what I have for you. In verse number 20, it says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go. Why does he got to go anywhere? God says, right where you're at is what I got for you. And Jacob says, well, God, if you'll keep me as I go, he goes, then I'll do this. In verse number 21, he says, uh, or in verse number 20, and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. 
Then shall the Lord be my God. Why has he got to be your God when you're able to make it back from where you're headed to? God says, hey, right here is what I got for you. And Jacob says, well, I'm going this way, so when I get back here, then you can be my God. He goes, and this stone which I have set for a pillar should be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. I thought that was kind of funny. He's like, hey, I'm going to go this way. When I get back, then I'll tithe, and then I'll give. But he, he, he's, he's got a message from on high, a message from God, and yet he maintains his path. He says, God, I know this is what you got for me right here. I'm just going to go this way. And God, when I, if I get back, then I'll take what you got for me. Man, I see that in so many Christians' lives where they, they say, I will just, God, I appreciate what you have for me, but I really want what's over here. So if you'll just stick a pin in it, all right, mark it on my life GPS, and if I get over here and this doesn't work out so well, I can find my way back to get what you got for me. I, I, just, I just wonder how Jacob's life could have turned out differently without all the drama that he's fixing to go. I mean, I thought it was funny. Preacher said that Brother Ives ran background checks on all his family. I should have done that. No. It turned out to be genealogy, but it was still funnier. Background checks. I mean, look here. In Genesis chapter 28, we find that, that he ends up getting through, going on. Genesis 29, he walks up to a well. And uh, this is the, you know, you could make a hallmark right here. He walks up to a well. The stone's not there. Here comes a young lady with the flock, and he's like, I'll move the stone. And then she teaches him about Christmas, and they live happily ever after. <laughs> Anyhow. I, I got a title for it, too. Christmas at Water at the Well. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, let's move on. But he sees, he sees her, and so uh, he's like, well, hello, and um, finds out this is, this is the house he was supposed to go to to find the wife that is, that is mom. And that would have been great, except he meets... Laban, her dad, and uh, father-in-law, which is, there's nothing wrong with father-in-laws. They give you your wife. But, stop right there. No. But then what does Laban do to him over in Genesis 29? He, he's like, hey, I, you know, Jacob, you're serving me. I want to pay you. Should have been Jacob's first flag. His, this guy wants to pay him. 
He goes, I'll serve you for Rachel. Okay, they make a deal. Seven years he serves him. And what happens? He gets tricked. The trickster gets tricked. You know, I think a lot of times we think, why did they do that to me? Because we did it to somebody else. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for us, for a man soweth. That, what? What we sow, shall he also reap. And so he gets tricked, he gets Leah. So then he does what? He serves another seven years to get Rachel. And then he starts getting paid in sheep and cattle. And it says Laban changed his wages once, twice, three times a year sometimes to try to stay ahead of him. And what did Jacob do as he changed his wages? Jacob would work things out to his advantage. And then finally, he says, you know what? I've had enough of this. I am going to get out of here and go back. Go back to where I should be. He, and, and so he packs there, and he does it the wrong... I mean. He packs everything up. He waits until Laban is shearing sheep. He packs up his family, his wives, his, his children, all his flocks, and he steals out of town and gets about three days' journey, and Laban finds out. So then Laban comes after him and catches him. Now, God told Laban, be careful what you say, that it's neither good nor bad. Because Laban was hot. He was hot because his, his daughters were gone, his grandkids were gone. Uh, somebody stole the idols out of his house. I mean, he was upset. I, I think in today, somebody stole his big screen TV. <laughs> and so he comes after him, and he stops him, and he says, I, I could have sent you away. And he's lying, too. I'd have sent you away with a big feast. No, he... Liar, talking a liar. And yet he lets him go. And so now Jacob is on his way back. I want you to turn me over to Psalm chapter 146. And this is where God spoke to my heart is as I was reading through this psalm. In Psalm 146, he says, Praise you, the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, while I praise the Lord, I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. And then verse number three, he, he starts into this, Pray, put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. He's saying, hey, don't, don't depend on men, don't depend on yourself. There is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. And then in verse number five, this caught my eye. He says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. And as I was reading through that, I thought, why Jacob? Why, why am I happy if I have the help of the God of Jacob? Well, I want to look at a couple things, and then, and then we'll finish up to the chagrin of my daughter. Genesis chapter 32. And this is after Laban has let him go. And it says, and Jacob went on his way, in verse number 1 of chapter 32, now listen to this. And Jacob went on his way 
and the angels of God met him. Remember that pen we stuck in it over here? God never moved. God never moved. Jacob said, I'm going to go on my way and get what I can get. And God said, okay. But he never moved. And so when Jacob finally had enough of his mess, and he turned back and he came, he was right there. And God met him. And look, look on with me here in Genesis chapter 32. He, he goes on and says, uh, and when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. You know, it's important when people get away from God is when they come back, they still see us, the host of God, still here, still serving, still smiling, still loving, never moving from where God has put us. And so he says, this is God's host. And then we find probably one of the best known stories. We go down, we find out that Esau, Esau's coming. He's heard that Jacob's on his way. And he's coming to meet him with 400 men. <laughs> what, a, what a hello. <laughs> Jacob hears that. I mean, what would you think if the brother that you stole everything from, you took his blessing, you took his birthright, you, you stole that. I mean, you, you left out of town trying to get away because he wanted to kill you, and you find out he's on his way, and he's got 400 men. Well, I doubt he's coming to throw you a party. I mean, that's, that's what I would think. He's not coming there, you know, 400 handshakes. So Jacob, once again, he just got back to where God wanted him. And it's just like Satan would for one of us. As we get back to where God wants us, he's going to throw something else at us. So Jacob starts planning again. And he says, well, I'll split up the, I'll, I'll get everything planned and I'll split everybody up. And in verse 7, he was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people, he divided the flocks, he divided the herds, he divided the camels. Uh, he, he sent Leah and her kids first because he loved her a little bit less than Rachel. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, but then he came last. Why? Because he loved himself more than even all that. And yet, there was an intervention that was necessary in his life. Look with me in verse number 24 of Genesis 32. And Jacob was left alone. Alone. That's where we need to get, is alone. It says, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. You know, I, I think so often God is waiting to intervene in our life if we'll just be alone for a moment and let him work on us. Let him wrestle with us. It wasn't in the group. It, wasn't, it was when they had all passed over that brook and he was left alone. And it said there wrestled a man with Jacob. You know, he, he got back. He was, he, was, he was back here. He's back 
where God, but, but God still needed to do something to him to get him back where he wanted him to be, to be able to do what he wanted him to do. Hey, maybe, maybe you've made a mess of your life and, and you've gotten away from God, you've gotten away from church, and you're, you're like, well, I'm, I'm back in church now. Being back in church isn't enough. Being back in a relationship with God is what it will take to keep you where God wants you. I mean, he had made it back, but now he's having an intimate one-on-one wrestling match with God Almighty. Think about it. An intervention that was necessary. Why? Because God needed to do something in his life. He tells us in the book of Psalms in chapter 46, be still and know that I am God. You know what Jacob needed? He needed God to show him that he was God. Why? Because for so long, Jacob had been God in his life. He sent his herds, he sent his cattle, he sent his servants, he sent Leah, he sent Rachel, and he stayed in the back. Why? Because he was number one. We find after this wrestling match that he goes out to meet Esau. All of a sudden, somebody bigger was in charge of Jacob's life. See what happened here in Genesis chapter 32. It says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, this is talking about the man, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. Uh, we, we, we see an injury that was noticeable. Uh, in the Word of God, this word wrestled, it says, uh, and, and this is the only time that it's used in the Word of God, and it means to grapple, to get dusty, to fight for supremacy over another. I, I mean, we, we have the, the, the privilege of... 2020 hindsight vision. We see who Jacob's wrestling with. But can you imagine? I, I, I don't know that I could wrestle 30 seconds, let alone all night. And yet they wrestled through the night, and, and he touches his thigh. But what I, what I love about this passage is that God let him wrestle all night. I mean, he could have touched his thigh from the get-go. He could afflict him. But no, no, no. God said, okay, you want to wrestle? Let's wrestle. Let's go. Come on, big boy. And he wrestled. And he wrestled. How often do we wrestle with God and wrestle with God and wrestle with God? And God just lets us keep going. Let Wear him down. Wear him down. Wear him down. And then all of a sudden God goes, okay, that's enough. He goes, I don't know if that was true or not. <laughs> That's all up here. Touches his thigh, and it's out of joint. Now, I don't know how that feels. I don't want to know how that feels. I do know there was a quarterback for Alabama that just had his hip come out of place, and he was laying on the field screaming in pain. So I got to think it, it's, it hurts. And yet, what does Jacob do? Jacob finally got to the place where he knew he wasn't all that. And God was. He said, 
in verse number 25, the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled. He kept wrestling. And then he said unto him, this is the man, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name should be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask me, or ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You know, the place he wrestled with him was the Ford Jabok, and that, that word Jabok means a place of emptying. He had to be emptied of himself and to be touched by God. And then as we see, he goes over the Ford, and, and, and what, what do we see here? It says, uh, and he passed over Penuel, and as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. An injury that was noticeable. They saw that something had happened to Jacob. You know, when God touches you, you'll know something happened. And when God has to touch you and bring you back, you'll know something has happened. And then we see an identity that was new. What does he tell me? He says, your name should be no longer Jacob, but Israel, a prince having power with God. And what I see here is, is that God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is a God that, that, that sees our faith. He sees our sacrifice. But He sees our message. And he's willing to reach down and touch once again and restore and clean it up and clean it up. And then he tells us in Psalm 146, happy is that man who has the God of Jacob, the God that cleans up our mess as his help. The only reason I stand here today is because I have the God of Jacob who cleaned up my mess and helped me touch my life. And then we see Jacob move on. And you know that over and over again throughout the Scripture, whenever they're talking about a situation where somebody has gotten themselves into a mess and God has gotten them out, you know who they refer to? The God of Jacob. This psalm was written about the time that they were rebuilding the temple when the Israelites were coming back into the land. What had they been in? A mess and they wrote this, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob as his help. Maybe you've got a mess in your life today. God can help you. Why? He specializes in cleaning up messes. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know who God is. 
He can help you. He specializes in cleaning up messes. Let's bow our heads. We're going to have a short time of meditation. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And God, what a, what a wonderful promise it is that you will pick us up, dear God, and clean us off and use us, oh God. Lord, I don't know, maybe there's one this morning, Father, they, they've got a mess. And they need your touch. Touch them, dear God. Maybe there's one this morning, dear God, that doesn't even know your son is their savior. Would you prick their heart? Might they come and find salvation today? And Lord, maybe you've got a Christian that's doing good, living right, living clean. No messes needing cleaned up. Lord, maybe you need to touch their heart. They might tell you, thank you. But Lord, work in us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.